she's going to go to a vampire book club, which is uh, basically a bunch of people standing around talking about Twilight. And no offense to Twilight. I am Love a Twilight it. too. Love it. I did not mean to say that derisively because team I am all the teams, of- team all the teams, depending team, on the day. I'll I'll love team, them all. team Alice, team Edward, team Jacob, team wow, all of it. All of them. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. We're making a podcast today, me and my my best friend, Terry. Yes. Oh, my gosh, Julia. We're making Horror Movie Survival Guide. Another fun week. Oh, my gosh. What a treat. Hey. I love love seeing you. I love seeing your little face, and you're just so cute. I'm just so happy I get to do this with you, and I can't believe we've been doing this for this long. Holy crap. It's been like five and a half years. I know. Um, We're at almost 300 episodes, like, soon, soon, like, coming up, like, in the next couple months, which is crazy to me it is i know uh <laughs> co-host for a long time best friends for even longer yeah let's talk this week about 2021's black as night the title of this episode is vampires like hoes yeah true in different area codes okay anyways <laughs> yes they like all the hoes all the time um, vamps and hoes vamps and hoes hoes and vamps vamps and hoes i mean i know people do like priest and hoe parties but vamp and hoe party seems way more appropriate right because they really do Correct. go together but who's to all say right. there isn't some vampire priest out there you know like i think that's probably oh, a thing that's pretty hot to think about <laughs> Oh, oh no. Oh, I found a new thing for you. Oh, God. Oh, okay. No. Kink oh, no. unlocked. So, oh, this no. movie was written by Sherman Payne and Jay Walker and directed by Marie Lee Go. Uh, so, we open on a man in a uh, project uh, state looking kind of place who is collecting cans and he gets munched a big time by uh, like four or five vampires yeah, a little pack of vampires a little, little pack a little, little, little pack of them um it's a vampire attack and he's so mad because he's like out there he's like these are my cans like what you doing trying to get my cans and i was like oh dude they don't want your cans they don't care but he doesn't understand it and he gets swarmed real quick by these guys and uh that's our opening scene you're just like oh okay we're dealing with vampires and it looks like we're dealing with them in the housing projects and it looks like it's probably new orleans based on the name of the project ombre um housing project um, and then we cut to Shauna and Pedro on top of a rooftop like the next day, it looks like, you know, a beginning of summer scene. And she gives us a little uh, voiceover about what's been going on in her life. Yes. So this is our, our two our two main characters, hero, uh, Pedro and uh, Shauna, who is uh, Asia Cooper and Fabrizia Guido. And is saying that she is saying that this is the summer she got breasts and also the summer she got vampire fought vampires. Yeah. So that's quite a summer. It's quite a summer. And she also, they frame this right now too with the history of New Orleans about Katrina and the death toll and the toll that took on the city and on people. And so um, you can tell everybody's been still, even though it's, you know, 15 years later, people are still very affected by the trauma that happened through this. And 
Um, it sounds like she's had some family stuff that's, you know, kind of divided them as well, too. Um, we also see, you know, um, as she goes to visit um, her mom, we find out in this housing project, we see this like, you know, kind of a, a community organizer in Keith David. Um, yes, we love Keith David. I was just mm-hmm. like, yes, anything with him. I'm, I'm ready. So great. And nope. Not enough of him in that damn movie, but also love him so much in anything. So very excited. And you hear him out there preaching against the gentrification that's happening in the neighborhood um, as uh, things do change. And as people come in to try to fix, quote unquote, New Orleans, um, a lot of this type of stuff has been going on. Mm-hmm. So she goes to visit her mother who lives in this in this project, uh, which is very run down. It's very reminiscent of Cabrini Green in Candyman. Uh, and she goes to visit her mom. There is a, some dude just out junkied on the floor and mom looks not good. And this is the thing where she go, your Shauna comes in and you can see on her face, she doesn't know which mom she's going to get right. She's going to get junkie mom. She's going to get sober mom and she gets junkie mom and mom needs some money bad to get her fix she's got feigning mom so mom is like definitely going looks seems like she's going through some sort of withdrawal probably and so she can tell she's doing whatever she can to manipulate shauna for some money um so she first just flat out ask her and then she steps away from it and then she tries to be very sweet about it and is like oh but yeah i see this locket i keep around my neck it's the one of you and your brother and i never forget you guys because i love you so much i never sold it even though my friends told me i should for drugs um you know and and so in saying all that she pulls on shauna's heartstrings and it's like do you have just a little bit of money for your mom since she didn't sell this one thing that reminds you of me and it's just like ugh, how awful um and yeah. so she reluctantly gives her mom money even though she's been told not to by her dad um and you can tell they have like a tenuous, you know, relationship at her home because her brother, it turns out, they talk about has been like taking care of mom's plants while she's been away. They're still trying to keep the thought of her alive, you know, and and the things that connect them to her alive in their lives. Uh, but it's been very difficult. Uh, so they end up going to um, uh, they go to a, a party. Oh, yeah. Pedro, like, convinces her to go to a party. She is – Shauna's not a party girl. Pedro is, like, a fabulous gay best friend and a party boy. And he's just, like, fashion king. He wants to, like, live that life. And he's like, we're going to go to this party, girl. It's this summer kickoff. Like, we need to go and hang out. And if you want to meet this guy that you have a crush on that we find out about, um, it's her brother Jamal's friend Chris. And he's like, if you want to talk to Chris, you're going to have to go to the party. And she's just like, but I'm awkward and I'm dorky and I uh, – he's not going to like me. And even her brother talks shit to her about it, too. Sure. And Mm -hmm. uh, Pedro has this uh, ongoing thing where he talks about how he had been accepted for a full ride scholarship to this school in Texas, but that he's not going to go because he needs to stay because he loves New Orleans or his family needs his help. And he is the New Orleans historian in the bunch, which comes in handy. Later because in he knows, movie. yes, someone's got to know the research when we do our research scene. Um, and so he's going to be the one who's going to head that up for sure. Um, also, he says he's scared of white people, which I think is hilarious, too. Like, he's just like, I don't want to deal with it. Like, Texas is a different brand, even though he's like, you know, it's like, I'd rather stay here in New Orleans around my people. Um, but while um, Shauna was leaving the her mom earlier that day, she saw these red eyes, like in this, like, through this, like, little keep out peephole um, at the, at the, um, at the housing project. And so she was just like, wait, this is very strange, this place. And I don't know what's wrong with that guy. That was like more than a junkie. That was something else. Um, 
But she, you know, still ends up going to the party, even though her brother says shitty things to her about like the boy that she likes saying that like he keeps calling her like Wesley Snipes Black, which is like the colorism in this movie. Like he's like very like, you know, um, just saying just some really negative things because she's very dark skinned black girl and just make, saying that that boy that she likes only likes Creole girls or likes lighter girls and like all this stuff. And so we already hear the sense this dichotomy of like, oh, there's certain people have access and certain people don't. And we're dealing with like the tears of racism within, um, even in, within un, amongst black people, um, the colorism that when does, does it, exist. When does it stop? When does the racism stop? It doesn't because we were all trained with it and trained in it and in the soup. So I definitely, you know, something that I, I grew up with with family from the South as well, too, that, you know, that's this part of the culture of who has access. It's like lighter people tend to be the ones who are going to move up or, or the ones that are going to be promoted and all that kind of stuff, too. But also comes into play with some vampire lore later on. So this is why mm. this is also being set up, too. And also shout out to Blade, of course, um, in this moment as well, calling her out as saying that she looks like Wesley Snipes. Um, so they go to the party and... You know, uh, Pedro convinces Shauna to shoot her shot. And she tries, and it's a it's a horrible, blundering, floundering mess. He's surrounded by three women, and she just looks, and she knows she's just made an embarrassment of herself. So she decides she's just going to walk home alone. So she does, and she sees some vamps feeding on somebody, or sees somebody that looks like somebody's being attacked. So she yells to leave them alone, and then they start coming for her, and she uh, is getting bit. She does get bit, uh, but is interrupted by a car horn, which just then drives on by and you leaves her there uh so she goes back home and immediately knows because this is the thing with vampire movies that in that world how much do they know about this thing uh and so she knows she's been bit by a vampire immediately that's not not it's part like, of this yeah. Yeah, no, she's like, that thing was definitely a vampire. Like, I got, I know I can't be in sunlight. Like, that's going to be a problem. So she immediately, like, gets, like, some newspaper and, you know, blocks out the windows. And, like, and she's like, okay, I, I, I can't deal with that. Um, but then her dad comes home, like, finds her, like, in the morning. And she's like, he's like, what did you do to this place? Why did you tear up the whole place? It looks crazy. I'm sure he's having, like, flashbacks of her mom or something, too, you know, because her place kind of looked like this as well. And and she's and he's like, take this stuff down and, and handle it. And he rips down the paper and she seems okay. The sun is okay on her. So she hasn't vamped out. She's all right. Um, and she's like, okay, well, maybe I am okay. And she goes to talk to Pedro because she's like, I know I didn't dream it. Like this should happen. I still have a little wound on my body. So something happened and it's still bleeding and it won't stop. So I'm she- glad that we do this podcast together, Terry, because I know that if I came to your house like this, exactly like this and I had the bites on my neck and I was like I got attacked by homeless vampires that you would believe me because this is yes. I would never fuck around with something like that and if I was I would, Why would you would lie about that shit no I wouldn't ever no and to go through no to go through a whole ruse and like put like blights on you and stuff there'd be no way so she tells him that and of course he laughs at her and is like I, this is not nothing to do with me like doesn't want to be a part of it this is not the summer he has envisioned he wanted to like lay on the beach get tan or live on a rooftop and get tan. Uh, so they, but they end up going to find her mom, and it finds out that mom has been bitten as well. Yeah. Well, but the reason they come down to that is when he finally kind of believes her. He's like, okay, if like if this is true, what you're saying is true. Then if they're going after homeless people and crackheads, he's like, you know who we need to go talk to. And she's like, oh shit, yeah, that's my mom. She's in that demographic of people that are being turned. So they go to go warn her. She's like, I got to go bring her home. I don't care what like my dad says. My brother says we'll figure it out later. But she's in the line of fire right now and she's a vulnerable target. So we need to go find her. But they get there and mom 
isn't looking so good. Um, she has already been turned and just looks real, real bad. So she vamps out and goes to attack them. Uh, and she, uh, uh, instinctively, Shauna pulls the curtain and mom catches on fire. We get a nice CGI, full body burn. And then it's out the window for mom. And she is a crispy critter on the ground. And it's pretty fucking brutal to do. Because it's it's something where, of course, you would blame yourself for the rest of your life for that. But also, it's your instinctive survival instinct right you would just do it and not think about it and it would be that moment where now it's she's done also, it's, it's full vamp she wasn't like cute vamp or like sweet like one of the other guys we're going to talk to in a little bit too but like she was fully like about to kill them um mm-hmm. and so they end up having the funeral and dad takes um shauna um to the site where their old home used to be pre-katrina and kind of talks about mom's trauma and how she ended up going the way she ended up going um it was really hard for her but it turns out she was pregnant with shauna at the time of katrina and the thing that got her through it was knowing that she was with child and that was like the way she was going to get through this their house is no longer on that site it's just like slabs you know a little bit of foundation left um because it's all been torn down since the um since the hurricane I bet he does give mom's necklace uh, was and her jewelry box. Her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now she has that. So then so she has she, some silver strands available now. Mm-hmm. Hey, she handy. does. Handy, uh, handy. She does her research and decides to to get some vampire help. Uh, this is an unconventional way to get help, but it works. Um, she's going to go to a vampire book club, which is uh, basically a bunch of people standing around talking about Twilight. And no offense to Twilight. I am a Twilight too. Love it. I did not mean to say that derisively because I am all the teams, team all the teams, depending on the day. I love them all. Team Alice, Team Edward, Team Jacob, Team all of it. All of them. Uh, All of them. That's that's good. So this girl, we meet uh, a Grania who is going to be the vampire expert. But of course, as you know, a vampire expert only has fictional things to go upon. And I would just like to point out that if anybody listening ever need a vampire expert, I would say. As much as this girl is, I can tell you what movies say. I can tell you what books say. That's all anyone can do, though, right? So she was pretty good. She's and pretty also, good. like Pedro didn't quite trust them as well too, because he was like, "Oh, it's a bunch of white girls sitting there talking about vampires. They're obsessed." So we have a little cultural divide in this moment too, which is adorable. And she's like, "What are you like? Why are you guys in this creepy church? Because they're in this like old Gothic church or whatever down there." And she's like, "Well, the kids like the atmosphere." And they're like, are you like a witch? And she's like, no, I'm Presbyterian. One of my favorite lines of the movie, <laughs> which is like the most like middle of the road, like as far as like Christian religions. And so um, she's not really a witch or anything like that, but um, she just loves the lore. Uh, she so does. She-, she does tell them the, a, a good bit of lore within this universe, mm-hmm. which is uh, that you have to die to become a vampire. So you have to be, you can be bitten, but then you have to die and then you'll become a vampire. So that's handy knowledge for this film. So that's why Shauna has not turned. Yeah. Yeah, And that's something I don't think I've I've heard before. Yeah. I hadn't either. And they were trying to figure out why Shauna hadn't turned because usually you just get bitten and you're like, okay, now I'm a vamp. Like that's it. Um, but she, um, got bit, but she did not die in the, in the process. They didn't kill her. So she's still alive. Um, and so they also talk about the ways to kill them, like fire, decapitation. And then uh, Shauna also asks, how do I catch them and keep them alive? And Pedro's like, wait, why you want to keep this shit alive? No, 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 not what we're about. Um, but he has a moment later, too, where he kind of thinks about it, too, because they uh, decide to go find out more from the one vampire that Shauna can remember from that little keep out sign that she saw over at the Umbro. 
she goes back and they um, she brings Chris along for help because she's like, we're going to need more muscle than you and I, Pedro. We're both kind of a little bit weak sauce, mm-hmm. um, even though Pedro tries to stand up and be like, no, but I was I'm all, you know, I ran track and I'm fast. She's like, yeah, you might be fast, but we're going to need some muscle. So <laughs> they bring Chris Jamal's friend along. But he says that he has her back. So that he is down for whatever, uh, although they didn't really mention that it might be crazy a vampire attack two seconds away from your face. Uh, But there is a gentleman down there who they are able to tie down with silver chains and torture with garlic and get him to get some information out about what is happening and who is the head of all this and how they stop it. Yeah, they torture poor little homeless Marvin to like get all the information out. And he's, you know, he eventually lets them know because he's scared too because he doesn't really like uh, the guy who's in charge and his name is Lefrac. And he's like, Lefrac has been building an army. Um, He's taking over the city and they're basically getting all these homeless people and like all the people that you talked about um, and turning them to make a full army to come against all the people. He's like, I would like them dead too. They end up having to kill Marvin in the course of it because even though Marvin has been helpful and is kind of sweet and didn't wasn't really his fault that he got turned, he does try to vamp out on them when they are about to release him and like might want to eat them. So he's like, uh, I guess we do have to kill you, dude. Sorry. So they practice. This is where they get a little practice in of staking and figuring out how to how to work their weapons. So you're like, OK, they're getting adept. They're learning. They've done mm-hmm. research. Now they're fighting. It's happening. So they go to check out the mansion of said Lefrac, uh, which is a, a stunning mansion and mm-hmm. handy that uh, Pedro happens to be a new New Orleans history expert to tell them about the mansion who was originally owned by slave owners. And there are underground tunnels. Uh, yeah, so over 400 we- slaves at one point lived in this house, uh, that's, which is a lot. That's massive. And they had all these underground tunnels because the guy who owned the house did not want to give up his slaves. He built the tunnel so he could keep them around even longer after slavery was over. So that's how shitty this guy was, um, who was the master of this house. Um, so yeah, so they see people going in and out of the house as they stand watch and they realize, you know, um, that there are a bunch of ladies of the night, uh, prostitutes, uh, sex workers, if you will, are going in and out. And that's where we get the line, vampires really like hoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just facts. So mm-hmm. they decide they're going to infiltrate Lafrac's mansion uh, where uh, Grania and Shauna are going to dress up like some ladies of the night and infiltrate that way. She gets a sweet steak in her boot. Looking, looking, looking all sexy. They both and look super hot, but Shauna looks extra hot. And like all of a sudden, Chris is like, uh, yeah. I didn't realize you were a lady. <laughs> now I do. Uh, moment. <laughs> um, and uh, she even talks about like, you know, I think this is cute. They give a little nods to like Buffy, you know, in these moments too. They're like, oh my gosh, like I'm not Buffy, but just Shauna, like I'm just trying to do a thing. Um, but she is getting suited up like Buffy would in this moment. Um, and um, she... And Grania also gets a little nervous now because she's like, oh, shit, this is actually real. I don't know if I want to go through this with this plan. But they're like, no, no, no. Too late now. We're doing it. Too late now. Like, I know, like, you you thought you had this sweet little Presbyterian life, but we're, we're going in. We're going in to get these vamps. This is so. life, li- a life-changing evening is what this is mm-hmm. going to be. So they end up getting worming their way in. They pass by a room full of people who are listening to someone give a speech, who is Keith David, uh, who they just glance at as they walk past. Up, And we get Shauna going up into Lafrac's room. The sparkly jacket on this gentleman, goodness sakes, lovely. Hot. 
Um, everything about him is actually very sexy. I was like, vampires are still so hot. Why are they so mm-hmm. hot and deadly, though? Gods, but so hot. So he's definitely got the whole thing. And he's, um, as they have trained ahead of time, because Grania had talked about how he's going to try to hypnotize you. Like, that's what they do. So the thing you got to do when you get hypnotized is think about something to help ground you elsewhere. So this is interesting. We had some hypnosis a couple weeks ago um, in Stir of Echoes. Um, and you know, what can you do to like deal with hypnotism? And this is something, I guess, if you were not wanting to be hypnotized and maybe hypnotized underneath duress by a particular vampire, y'all remember some sort of happy memory and hold on to that. So you're grounded in reality. Um, it can come out of it. So she thinks about a memory of her mom while he's trying to hypnotize her and he thinks he's hypnotized her so that she won't remember, you know, what's, what's going down, but she's not hypnotized. She's stronger than him. And she ends up staking him through the heart. But after he's also said some stuff about how she's so dark and isn't usually like dark people. So we're getting this like colorism thing again. That's a motif coming back in. Um, but he does he doesn't like him dark, but he likes him young. And so she'll do. Yeah. So they, but there is some, uh, the Pedro and Chris do help with some garlic powder in those kind of like shakers you would imagine at a, pe- at a pizza parlor. They're just, they look using like they're drugs. from Costco. It's the big ones. <laughs> Yeah, those ones. Totally uh, and and, and yeah. we do find out because we, we, of course, we we don't know now. This was the problem with vampire lore and what works and what doesn't in this universe. And we find out garlic powder, yes, does work, but they don't have to be invited in. That's one that is a myth. So that one, you thought you had that going for you and you sure don't. Yeah, we find out quickly because the kids run back home and they're back at um, Jamal and Shauna's apartment and the uh, vamps try to come and attack them. But they get a little bit of help from all of a sudden this guy, Tunde, who has been watching them. And we find out he's a, another very, very old vampire who um, they'd seen earlier. He was in a taxi cab while they were staking out the mansion. He had seen them as well. Um, and they were like, how can you be out during the day? It turns out the darker you are as a vampire, the more coverage you have. And you could actually be a daywalker because you have coverage on your skin because it's dark enough not to burn directly in the sun. And so she could actually be one of the most powerful vampires if she were to turn because she's so dark. So now we're getting like, oh, what you thought was a weakness is actually probably your greatest strength if you were on the other side of this in this world. Um, Which is probably something alluring in a way, right? And mm-hmm. I think he is trying to lure her uh, over to the other side. I mean, he says he is 800 years old. Uh, so we find he tells us about Babino, who was Keith David's character, who was uh, a slave of the original owner of the house, killed his master as a vampire, and then uh, in this delightfully animated sequence, uh, and then decides to live in that house. Now he is the master. Yeah. Who's the master? He's the master. So, um, yeah, but he made, you know, he, he's gone through so many things and he, he's you know made a new kind of world order, so to speak, and has risen to power multiple times. Like post-Katrina, he saw that the world had gotten even worse um, and what had happened to black people especially. And so he's what they call now a vampire supremacist where humans are just prey to him. And um, so he knows that survival in daylight is possible for him. And so... Um, Tunde and Babino have kind of gone back and forth because Babino is the last of the vampire supremacists basically in the world where everyone else is. They're like, we found other ways to subsist. We don't have to eat humans all the time to live. We can do other, we have other means kind of like the twilight vamps a little bit where we're like, we are basically vegetarians, quote unquote, like we, you know, animals and other things instead of people. Um, And so Tunde is really trying to um, snuff out Babino's crew because they want to be able to, you know, um, live uh with people peacefully 
So they have, of course, a tender moment here, too, where Chris finally tells Shauna, like, why he's trying to help her. Because she's like, why have you been helping me? Like, Pedro's my BFF. I get why he wanted to help. My brother, I get why he's helping because he's my brother. But, like, why are you helping? Turns out his brother was also at the Ombro and has not has, was a junkie and has been dealing with it. So his brother would have been targeted by the same group, too. So they're about to kiss and then Pedro walks in. So that's a cute little moment. though. <laughs> uh, so you have this vampire battle uh, between the Nigerian vampire army and uh, the 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 supremacist. supremacist Babano and his crew. Yeah. Babano and his crew. Uh, the, can I point out the, the Nigerian vampire army's sweet, sweet spears? Um, they're gorgeous. S- they're amazing and they're useful because they're stakes. So you go, ah, great. Perfect. Beautiful. Of course they are. Of course they are. Of course they're like making brilliant things in technology. That's what like Nigerian princes would do. Mm-hmm. Um, super good. And so the kids, um, though, Tunde's like, hey, you've done your good job, kids. Um, you've got us this far. I'm going to go, though. You guys are not equipped to battle this guy because this is a very old vampire and I've had beat with him for like hundreds of years. Y'all are not quite ready to handle this. And so he tries to make them stay back. But, you know, these kids have got more, uh, you know, in the gumption inside them and they're going to go fight. So they decide to go head towards the tunnels because except, um, except for Granya, except for Granya, who does peace out. The white girl she peace goes, out. She's like, yeah, no, she, not my battle, not my fight. She said vampires aren't so much fun in real life. I understand. They're not, you know, sexy, sexy, fun, beautiful boyfriends who, who want to love you. They're just horrible monsters. So I can understand. I well, go, it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> that's so sad <laughs> i just want them to be sexy okay anyway um so yeah so they go to the tunnels they find vampire coffin den in the tunnels and babanu and crew feeding uh, they attack uh, and there's a big uh, battle scene uh, they are uh, rebuffed by the the, the so far so forth uh, pedro tries to stake him gets him but misses yeah, and he tries and so, to save, basically he saves Shauna though, because Shauna was being attacked and Pedro basically gets him from the back, but it's the wrong side and he fully misses like getting any part of the heart or anything like that. So he, that means poor Pedro. Wah, wah, he gets chomp, the eaten, eat, 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 and chomp, chomp, chomps. He becomes din din. Um, and then Babino whistles and all of a sudden it's like, oh, he talks about like, you know, all the things that have happened over his lifetime. He talks about the chains from slavery and then he talks about, you know, Jim Crow and being having to be in the back of the bus. Then he's talking about gentrification being the new version of that now. And he's like, I keep seeing it, you know, you and she's like, but what about all the protests like kind of over George Floyd summer and like all the things that have happened? He's like, I've seen it happen. He's like, I saw the slave revolts. I saw the protests in the 60s. It's the same thing all over again. It's not going to work. The only thing we can do is basically become powerful. And he invites her because she is this beautiful, dark skinned goddess that he's like, you could daywalk tomorrow if I turn you right now. Like, you should join me and become the most powerful, you know, vampire that ever vamped. I I would probably take him up on that offer. But, you know, this is not the movie that we're living in. Uh, so they end up, uh, I mean, but, his, you know, watching Keith David deliver this monologue is 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 gorgeous. You say and- David. Yeah. I mean, he's Keith motherfucking David. But um, she instead goes, nope, you basically messed up my life. You killed my mom. And I'm not OK with that. So she uses the silver locket that she's had against him um, and throws it into his mouth, which like goes down his little throat. And so she's able to stake him while he's, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, dealing with a burning mouth and throat. Um, and then we cut to after she kills him dead uh, to Pedro's funeral because he does not make it through this battle. 
but uh, no, no, it, it has to be said that no city in America does New Orleans does funerals as well as New Orleans does because this kind Correct. of big band parade through the street is just par for the course, like beautiful, amazing way to celebrate somebody. Uh, and, you know, it, it gives this very melancholy feeling, but it's also this joy that goes through it at the same time. I think it's a wonderful uh, tradition. It's a beautiful tradition and celebration of life. Unlike any other, I think you're right. Um, and there's something about being able to dance through your grief that she goes through. I might cry thinking about it. It's such a beautiful scene of watching her kind of just like dance to the music, but also just like letting it all out, you know, like through your whole body. Um, and so she's devastated, obviously, because she's like, this was the, not the summer I planned. Like literally everything in my life is different. Like, yes, I went through puberty in this way, but I also lost like my mom, my best friend, like all this loss. Um, and so she goes out there to fight now with a different purpose to save the Ombro because she knows that like people need a place to go with. A, we, we do need to fight somehow against like this, like, you know, mass gentrification and like, displacement of people who have already been. These are displaced of the displaced. Right. Like at this uh -huh. point, these are people who really had nothing after Katrina, who had nothing again. And then they're trying to be you know pushed out of this neighborhood. And so she's taken over to the fight for the neighborhood. But she. um opens the door one day to a knock on the door and it's dun 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 our twist ending it's vamp pedro vamp pedro um hey mommy which is great for a twist ending but logistically confusing because wouldn't if he had to have been bitten as a, before he died to turn into a vampire but we just see him is it just like he's being attacked that's how he dies mm -hmm. is that all it takes yeah and he died because the outfit he's wearing is his like funeral suit like at the okay. end, he's wearing like his little suit. So I was like, oh, they buried him thinking he was dead, but he was actually just like in the process of like turning. They just buried him very quickly, I guess. And now he's a vampire. He came As out of vampire. the grave. So they're setting it up for the sequel in a horror movie. What a surprise. Uh, really? Wait, what? <laughs> horror people like to do sequels? Really? No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about some gore factor. One, yeah. not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. We give this movie a five for gore. It's very bloody. We love that. Biting. There's lots of biting and chomping and chomping and biting and guts, guts, guts and gores. Enjoy. Yay. Um, yeah. And then Chainsaws, one if you're desperate, two barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. Five, fantastic oracle. This was a 3.5 for me. I, I had a really hard time with some of the stuff. I like the idea of it. I just was, uh, it was A, I know it's called Black as Night, but I could not see half the things in this movie. I felt like every scene was, the lighting was so dark. I could not see what was going on in half this movie. And it was driving me crazy. Where I almost had to listen to some of it because I could not see what was going on in any of the action sequences and some of the fight sequences. It was very difficult to watch. Um, but I like the story idea and I like that. I just wish like, Maybe I need to change the setting on my TV. I don't know, but it was too dark. <laughs> uh, I give this movie a four. I thought for a, I find modern vampire movies can be quite tedious in the, you have to be meta about it now and everybody knows everything about stuff. And it's hard to do where you still have somebody coming in to tell you rules where it doesn't seem too hokey. And I feel like all of that worked and, and kind of throwing 
even you know people like me who are like i know all the vampire rules but then you throw curveballs you say oh okay oh if you have dark skin now you can work in the day and now you have to die to become a vampire and like these rules that don't i haven't heard of before that i mm-hmm. now have to add to my mental lexicon of vampire rules just yeah, when case. they come to get you just in case you know it reminded me a little bit there's a tv show that was on netflix that just got canceled unfortunately called first kill which was super fun it was vampire lesbian uh goodness i feel like you would enjoy um but it was super sweet but it had a little bit of they had they had a day walking element and stuff like that that i probably was fresh more fresh in my mind i just feel like even though i know it was a tv series i feel like that was just a better implementation of said rule and they were also dealing with some color stuff too that i think Hmm. was just handled a little a little differently but um hooray for yay for more horror and more more vampires i will never be mad about vampires like and hoes (laughs) (laughs) this is something we cannot deny thank you for listening to us talk about black as night we'd love to hear what you thought about the film you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook we also have a patreon we also have a teespring please support us because we support you right with this delightful podcast thank you so much to sierra for for picking out such wonderful movies and just being a, a lovely person and and a help to the podcast we adore you, Sierra. Thank you so much for these choices. These were super fun to watch. And um, we love you guys. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you all again real soon for some holiday picks, I think, coming soon. Oh, my God. What? Goodness. Oh, my God. We're almost to the Christmas movies. This the scary Christmas movie. The time. I don't even know, Julia. I ate it. Okay, bye. <laughs> have a great week. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horrormoviesurvivalguide.